Welcome back, guys, to part two of this super empowering episode of Women of Impact with me, your host, Lisa Villiers, and my homie, the amazing Dr. Mindy Pelz. Mindy keeps delivering these aha moments that make you wonder why you were today years old when you learned the most effective way to mind-blowing sex starts in the body. And spoiler alert, the most amazing orgasms, your intuition, and your most kick-ass days have one thing in common. Wonder what that is. Ladies, 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 we have been misunderstood and have been misunderstanding ourselves long freaking enough. Enough's enough. Today we end that, we learn about our bodies, we learn about our sexual desires and what makes us us. So let's get right into it in part two of today's conversation with my girl, Dr. Mindy Pels on Women of Impact. Um, And so I, but I always want the truth. That's the thing. It's like, I don't, having gone through my health issues, you want to talk about the worst time of my relationship? Right. Because I didn't feel sexy. Yeah. I didn't want sex. Yeah. I, I I was so inflamed. My gut was so protruding that I couldn't stand up for longer than five minutes at a time. I was 20 pounds lighter than you see me now. My hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. And so I did that to myself. Like I take ownership over that. Mm -hmm. I had a bad relationship with food. I was taking a lot of antibiotics because I wasn't replenishing my gut. And so it affected my relationship. It affected my confidence. Yeah. Um, I was hyper emotional all the time. I couldn't control them. Yeah. And I wouldn't wish that on any woman. No. I really wouldn't. And I think it was because of my own mindset that yeah. got me into that. And without knowledge like what you're teaching today, I didn't have that. I didn't understand it. Right. And so if we can give people the tools to never get there so that you can yeah. have thriving relationships, amazing businesses and feel great about yourself and, you know, be confident, I think that that is a beautiful gift that women can totally own for themselves instead of externally waiting for someone to give it to them. Yeah. And here's a, a question back to you on that time period. I mean, I think there's a deep fear of women to admit their a weakness. Like that, like I need rest would be like a weakness. Honestly, when you said that, in when you said it earlier, I was really worried. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, even knowing myself, even saying all of that that's just right. happened to me, I'm like, right. that's going to be hard for me to yeah. say. It would be hard for me to say to my husband, I'm not, I can't talk about this for a few right. days because of my hormones. I can't do this job because of my hormones. Like that would be very hard. But I'm so goal oriented that if you say, mm-hmm. what is my goal? How am I going to get there? Whether it's a business, whether it's, let's say you want to run a marathon, whether it's you want to have a beautiful relationship. In order for me to get there, I say, what do I have to do? And my girl Mindy is sitting right here telling me exactly what I have to do. I would be foolish. I would be foolish to ignore it. Yeah, exactly. So I I came up with a term because we're kind of from the same thread Mm -hmm. because I'm I'm like, yeah, I can, you give me any task, I can put my head down and I can, I'm a workhorse. I can make it happen. And I don't do, I don't know how to rest. I have struggled with how to rest. And the more I have understood hormones, the more I'm like, you you have to rest, Mindy. So I came up with a phrase one day in in this self-talk where I was like, you have to rest, you have to relax. And, And my brain was like, no, you're lazy. You're not, you have a long list of things you need to do. The house is a mess. You know, you've got, you've got three books you're writing, you've got YouTube videos, you got like you got to map out. What are you resting for? And I think a lot of women have that like panic. I can't rest. So I came up with this phrase that I'm courageously resting. And I was like, oh, when I put courageous in front of rest, now the badass version of me is like, (laughs) I'm I'm courageously resting right now. Can't you see that? Bring me my slippers. Yeah, bring me my slippers. Maybe a glass of wine because I am such a badass that I'm resting. <laughs> I love that. It worked for me. Dude, that's so good. And then, so so if you struggle with rest, just put courageous on the front of it, and now you're a badass resting. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it so much. And so, but this is what we, if you think of the trajectory of women, we were we fought so hard to be at this moment in time the thought of the fact that this moment in time is destroying our health is a is horrible to think about 
but not if we just pause and go, wait a second, we fought so hard to be here. We can, we, we have equality like we've never seen before. Now let's do it a woman's way. Mm. Let's, let's take this moment and launch into a place where we are working every part of our life in accordance with our hormones. And now let's, now let's see what we're capable of doing. Hell yeah, girl. Right? Yeah, I love this. Okay, so you just mentioned wine. Yeah. Um, what are the things, I'm going to go back to the things that we battle with and then you bring in the beautiful truth so we don't ever beat ourselves up. Okay. So um, cravings, that's oh, such yeah. a big thing. And if we have the discipline right between, uh, was it uh, day five and day 10? Yeah. If we have the discipline then and then we quote fall off the wagon and we start to binge or we you know enjoy things that maybe like we um we think we shouldn't have sugar alcohol yeah. things like that um what is happening to the body yeah. and why can we give ourselves grace when we want the chocolate bar yeah okay so estrogen comes in in the first part of the cycle estrogen likes glucose to be low so this is why every diet you've ever done most likely worked in the front half of your of your cycle because estrogen does okay with that deprivation. Progesterone doesn't. Mm -hmm. So progesterone comes in starting on day 20. She's she is completely the opposite of estrogen. And so she when cortisol goes up, she's like, "No, I'm out." But she also needs glucose to be high. So she gives you cravings of carbohydrates, which how many of us the week before our periods are like, um, I just want to eat pasta, bowl of pasta and a piece of chocolate cake. And maybe after that, you know, maybe then I'll throw in a bowl of fruit, but we don't go <laughs> like, I want a salad before my period. We want carbs. We, we crave carbs. Okay. If we just look at that, of course you crave carbs. Progesterone saying, bring glucose up. Like, girl, give me more glucose so I can make my appearance. So you need to bring, and we see this on uh, continuous glucose monitors that we've watched over hundreds of thousands of women. And so many women will say, I, didn't, I wasn't doing anything. And all of a sudden glucose went up and I'll say, well, what's the, when is your, when's your period? And they're like, oh, that's next week. I'm like, yeah, because your brilliant body is dumping glucose out of the system, giving you cravings for carbohydrates. So you bring glucose up because it's like a chemistry experiment so that you can be able to make progesterone so that uterine lining can shed. Okay. But what do we do when we crave something the week before our period? We like beat, oh, I can't stick to my diet. Like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I was doing so well on my anti-sugar diet. Now, all of a sudden, I want, I want sugar. It's because the body is requiring something different from you because of progesterone. Mm -hmm. So I'd start there. Now, chocolate. Chocolate's another one. Why do we crave chocolate the week before our period? because it has, it's rich in magnesium and you need, magnesium is one of the most important minerals to be able to make progesterone. So the cravings change that week before because that's what progesterone demands, which again, but then we turn on ourselves and we're like, I did it, I did the diet so well for three weeks and now I can't stick with it. Or the other thing, well, I don't feel like working out the week before my period. Well, of course, because you're supposed to nurture and go within and you don't want working out raises cortisol. And so you don't, you're not supposed to work out really hard the week before your period. So it's, it's a time that things dramatically shift. And again, we're not honoring that. Is this everything then that contributes to really heavy period yeah. pains and things like yeah. that? Yeah. So when you, this is where we kind of started this was, well, what do we do with the woman who says, well, the first two days of my cycle, I feel horrible. I'm supposed to feel great. I have, I'm intuitive and outgoing. No, like I don't feel that. Okay, well, then my next question is, well, what did you do the week before Why? your period? Because if you go in day 20 and you're like working out really hard, you're working hard, you're not raising glucose up enough, um, cortisol is high, progesterone is like, she's slowly making her appearance, but she's agitated and irritable and you don't have enough to make... GABA, that's what she'll stimulate. So you're edgy, you're irritable, and then your period starts and there wasn't enough progesterone, the complete version of progesterone. So you're hemorrhaging, you're clotting because you didn't honor that week before. Oh yeah, everything's just clicked into right? place, yeah. 
So, so again, like if I, if I could think about it, it's like an expansion. Here I am in the beginning of my cycle. And then I'm like, we should probably put on like, well, we could do like a, our, our, our Wonder Woman wings when we're during manifestation phase, like during ovulation, like I'm so, I'm locked and loaded, so powerful. Use me. And then, okay, now I need to take care of myself. And so I go into this place at the back half of my cycle. I need to take care of myself. I need to nurture myself. I need to kind of go within for a moment. I'll be right back. And then your period starts and you're like, I'm back. The powerful version of me is back. Now let's, now let's go. Yeah. Right. And then, and then as we get closer to that back half, okay, let me nurture myself again. Like to me, that's how I see the ebbs and flows for women, how it should be. Yeah. God, that's so freaking powerful. So what is the pill doing? Um, as in contraception, the pill, yeah. what is that doing to this cycle? Because yeah. when I started taking the pill, I was around 16. And then my period stopped about uh, 10 years ago. Mm. And I went to the doctor and I was like, oh, and they're like, oh, you're on the pill. It's fine. You don't need a period, which makes me think it's messing with my hormones. Yeah. So I think so many people... Um, were taught, especially if you're my age, I'm 44. So, so many people were taught to, oh, you take the pill when you're young. Yeah. If you're having a heavy period, take the pill. Yeah. Oh, you've got problems with your, you know, your cycle, take the pill. Yeah. So the, one of the challenges, the, the key part in that was that you started at 16. So when did you start your period? Um, at like 14. Yeah. So the interesting thing about the life cycle of hormones is that when we go into puberty, like at 14, which by the way, I was just at a party last night and a bunch of a book party and a bunch of moms were talking about how we are now declaring that it's normal for 10-year-olds to get their period. That is not normal. That is environmental. I just want to make sure everybody understands that. That is not normal. So 13, 14 is about the normal age to start your period. So for those first like four to five years, your hypothalamus and pituitary, the master control system of, of hormones and your ovaries, they're getting to know each other. There's like a, there's so many hormones that have to be secreted for the, for the, it's a communication system. So it takes a good five years for that communication system to really get well integrated. At 16, you come in with birth control and you mess the communication up. Mm. And so now there's no natural communication. It's all been manipulated by an exogenous pill source. So now how long you were on that for, let's just say 20 years yeah. until like 35. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm out. Okay, I'm off the pill. But there was no natural communication that ever got enough time to be established between the brain and your ovaries. So this is why Fast Like a Girl in there, I have a fasting cycle where I talk about eat like this during certain times and fast it like this during certain times. And one of the things that has surprised me more than anything putting this book out into the world is how many women are getting their cycles back. Just because of the way they're eating. That's right. Wow. Because it's it, now they're living in accordance to their hormones. And so their body's getting a rhythm again, an internal rhythm. And I would say the same thing to you. Let's figure out, like, let's help you get an internal rhythm. And we, and a, lo the, a lot of times people say, well, how do you find that internal rhythm if you don't have a period? And there's a lot of little ways we can look at that. But sometimes you just start a rhythm and watch where your body goes to help reestablish what should have been there at 16 mm. years old, but got hijacked by the pill. This is what's happening to so many younger women right now. The 20s and the 30-year-olds are like, my heart is hurting for them right now. Infertility is on such a high rate, higher than ever before. PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, is happening to so many women because we are not living in accordance to the rhythms of our hormones. Mm. And the pill is one thing that hijacks it. The patriarch is another thing that hijacks it. Um, and then we don't understand it. And so we just start blaming ourselves. When you say the patriarch hijacks it, what do you mean? To me, I, the patriarch is anything that has power over us. So, um, you know, the corporate world, so many women living in the corporate world, there's no there's no understanding of how to ebb and flow, everything we've been talking about. Healthcare system, 
How many times do we walk into our doctor's office and we express a a symptom? Do they ever ask you what part of your cycle you're at? No, never. Right? And then we have the, whatever we would call the social culture that doesn't say, oh, you can be gregarious at certain points and then you need to rest at other points. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, to me, the way the world we're living in right now is very, works very much for men and not for women. Mm. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Mm-hmm. And so many studies are basically done on men and not women. And that's why I love your book, Fast Like yeah. a Girl, and what you talk about. Because when I started to intermittent fast um, a good few years ago now, every study, I was like, oh, okay, so I'll just do this. And I looked at my husband and he was having a much easier time right. than I was. Yeah. And, and then, of course, I just, then it goes the aha moment where it's like, oh. Because 99.999% of the studies are actually done on men yeah. and they're not considering our cycles when they're talking about fasting. Yeah. And it's when you get into the study part, you get really mad uh-huh. because you start not only do they do it on men, but when they do mice, when we talk about a my, a mouse study, mm-hmm. usually it's a male mice. Oh, really? Yeah. So that so, never even dawned on yeah. me. So like I know, we never even think about like the sex of the of the, the no, animal they're yeah. using. So what I always say, and this is a large reason why I wrote Fast Like a Girl, is because I saw this trend of fasting that was working so well for so many people. And I was teaching to my patients, I was teaching to my online community how to take these studies and interpret them for a woman's brain and a woman's hormonal lens. While the media was out there saying fasting is not good for women, keto is not good for women. And so we had this, this like women going, really? Like this tool was so cool. I was losing weight, but I guess you're right. Cause I did lose my period too. Well, and then, um, and then let me see what the studies say. Well, the studies, you know, are, we don't have anything that the studies say because we haven't done it on women. 
So I tried to gather all that data and, and weed through it through a woman's lens mm -hmm. and look at it hormonally. And so even the studies that I quote in the book, I always say they get us in the ballpark. But now as a woman, you get to choose what seat you're going to sit at. Mm -hmm. So you can say, yes, a 16-hour fast is great for metabolic health and it'll help me lose weight. But you also get to say, and I'm not going to do it the week before my period. Mm. But you actually mentioned weight loss as well earlier. Yeah. Talk to me about the difference between fasting and a fad diet. I grew up in a family where my mom was borderline anorexic. Mm. And so I very much saw her eat very little, one meal a day, you know, um, the small amount as possible. And again, like I said, one meal a day. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that behavior. I very much had body dysmorphia growing up. And so I was very susceptible to, oh, what can I do to lose weight? What can I do to stay skinny? Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that like how you talk about fasting is so beautiful, but Thank that's you. why I want to talk about it because I right. actually want to have the open discussion about how some people are labeling fasting as just another eating disorder in disguise. Mm -hmm. And thank you for bringing this up because I think the most important thing to understand about fasting is A, it's not a diet. It is you are tapping into another metabolic pathway. And let me explain. So we have two ways we make energy. One is when we eat food, and one is when we go without food. I call the one when we eat food the sugar burner system. And so every time you eat, your glucose goes up and your metabolism is operating from that system. And when your, when your blood sugar goes down and stays down for eight hours or longer, you switch over into the fat burning system and your body starts to make another fuel source and it's called a ketone. And this ketone is made by burning fat. So now people who are really thin will say, well, I don't, where's the fat coming from? You still have fat around internal organs that your body is going to burn in order to make a ketone. So you are like a hybrid car. You are meant to have glucose and you are meant to have ketones. Your brain requires 50% glucose, 50% ketone. Wow, that much? Yeah. yeah wow. So when we are not metabolically switching in and out of food and fasting, we are depriving our brain of 50% of its fuel source. Mm. So metabolic switching is, in my opinion, for both men and women, the, it creates the end of dieting and the end of calorie counting. When you truly understand that food can be medicine and you can eat food without counting calories, without even counting macros, with just enjoying food and good quality food, and you can match that with then going longer periods without food, go at least 12, 13 hours without food, you are getting the best of both worlds. And now for women, we have to learn how to metabolically switch according to our hormones. Mm. That's the only side conversation that involves women in that one. And so what was happening in the fasting world is that men were getting these incredible results because all of a sudden they all discovered the fat burning system. And I, I'm sure this happened with Tom. And he was yeah. like, oh my God, look at how much weight I'm losing. I'm feeling so good. Mm -hmm. you know. And it's because he discovered in intermittent fasting, this whole world of healing that was happening and the fat burning piece of that. And then he would switch back and eat good quality food and he would go back and forth. You were probably not experiencing that because you weren't mapping that to where your hormones were at. No, what a surprise. I was uh, doing the same as Tom. That's right. I was, every day I was doing exactly the same. Right, that's right. So, so this is why diets don't work because diets are only working within mm -hmm. the sugar burner system. So we can, we can spend, when I got a hold of this, I was like, oh my God, like how, as a culture, how many times have we been like, whole 30, that was an amazing diet. Yeah, 
It was an amazing diet. Vegan, it's amazing. Yeah, plant-based living has some really cool concepts. Carnivore, oh my God, I went on carnivore and all this happened. Yeah, there's some really interesting things in there. Um, and I, you know, maybe you go on a prepackaged food. I won't, I won't throw any industries down <laughs> yeah. here. But maybe we all know who you're talking about, Mindy. <laughs> you go on a prepackaged food that you know that you think you eat all that prepackaged food and you're gonna lose a bunch of weight. And all that discussion is, is the sugar burner system. You will continue to fail at every single diet if all you're trying to do is manipulate food. So how about we bring in the timing of food and when you eat. And when we do that, when we leave longer periods for the body to rest and recover from not eating, all of a sudden you free yourself when you're eating. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop the dieting conversation. Food is medicine. Let's eat healthy food. And there are times to go higher in carbs and there's times to go in lower carbs. And let's pair that with different length fasting windows. Sometimes you might want to fast 12 hours. Sometimes you might not want to fast. Sometimes you might want to go two days. But let's take those concepts and let's now learn how to go in and out of these two energy systems and let's do it according to your hormones and you will never diet again. So I intermittent fast, I was telling you earlier. Um, I haven't done it though to a cycle because also I haven't had to cycle in a while. So I just do it every day. And I kind of started to, I had an app that I was looking at and it was great, but I realized I was becoming addicted again. And again, mm. I, I try never to judge myself. I just mm. go always to then catch myself yeah. because now my North Star is health. Yeah, Like that is it. It isn't about my weight. It isn't about how my look. It's mm. like, I need to be healthy because I want to live till I'm a hundred. Yeah. I actually mean Me that. So in order to live till I'm a hundred, what do I have to do now in my forties? I actually wish I'd done in my twenties and thirties, yeah. but I can't go backwards in time. So how can we start to use this now in our cycles? And when is the best times to do intermittent fasting? Yeah. So when intermittent fasting works really well for estrogen. So if you are trying to clean up estrogens, the estrogen system, um, intermittent fast, you can fast as long as you want. So day one, and we'll talk about if you don't have a cycle here in a moment and how you would specifically do it. So, but day one through about day 10, primarily, you can go on to some longer fasts. So somebody with a gut problem, I would say during that time, let's throw in a 24-hour fast because a 24-hour fast actually will get your body making intestinal stem cells and intestinal stem cells go in and repair the inner lining of the gut. And a 24-hour fast actually also will make sure that the microbes in your gut, they call it geographical relocation, they start to spread out. So now when you go back into food, you're actually pulling more nutrients out of your food. So there's like a whole bunch of microbial changes that can happen in a 24-hour fast. So if, if I was coaching you right now, I'd be like, okay, let's throw that in the first 10 days, at least somewhere in there a 24-hour fast so we can repair your gut. Mm. So that, and, and again, we'll map this to something since you don't have a cycle. Um, but that's where fasting really sh- was really shines. Now you go into the, the ovulation window or what I called manifestation. Okay, you have all these hormones. They're there. We've already determined you're powerful. Mm-hmm. So, but you don't want to fast too long there. There's a different agenda. And that agenda at that moment is to break those hormones down. You've already produced the hormones you need for ovulation. Now let's actually make them usable to your cells. So they're the two body parts that help break down hormones are the gut and the liver. So that's an amazing time to get off alcohol. It's amazing time, like we talked about, to do the bitter foods. It's amazing time to do as many leafy green vegetables as you possibly can. Um, like let's feed your microbiome so you can break those hormones down during that ovulation window. And, and fasting-wise, shorter fasts, you know, it's not, you can fast during that time, but food is your tool during that time. Mm. So fasting's the tool the first 10 days. Food is, your, is more of a tool for those five days. Then you come back out of ovulation and you've got this four-day period where the hormones are low again, and we're trying to get rid of some of, some of the hormones that have, your body's already made. Okay, during that time, now we can go back into more fast. We can go more into some more repair. If you, if people who want to drop weight can drop, can go into some of the, if you want, if you wanted to go into a 24 hour fast to repair your gut more, that would be a good time. 
And then day 20, you don't fast. You stop. At all. At all. And that's when you shut down fasting and you start to bring up glucose and you go into squashes and sweet potatoes and chocolate, uh, 70, 80% chocolate. And you go into um, more starchy foods and tropical fruits are great for progesterone. So you're actually purposely trying to bring glucose back up. And then you start your period and now you go back into fasting again. So if you look at it, it's like the first 10 days, we can use fasting as an incredible tool. And then we have those middle five days, we can use food as an incredible tool. And then we have another strange little four or five day period, we can go back to fasting as our tool. And then we have the seven days before our period, we can now go into food as our tool. Wow, and using that, you've seen people get healthier and lose weight? People are losing weight when they've never been able to lose weight before. We have 70 and 80 year olds that told us that they accumulated all this menopausal weight and now we put in there a 30 day fasting reset and they following the trend that I just talked about. So they're not mapping it to, obviously to their cycle, but they're doing larger fasts, more food, larger fasts, more food. Mm. And they're finally, they're dropping their menopausal weight. We had an 82 year old woman the other day say that she's dropped 20 pounds wow. that she accumulated through menopause just by doing that. Mm. So, and then what we're seeing are the 20 and 30 year olds that we, we talked about this, the 20 and 30 year olds are hormonally struggling so deeply. So many of them have lost their cycle. So what we're seeing is when they go into this, okay, I'm going to fast and I'm going to eat. I'm going to fast. I'm going to eat uh, pattern. Their cycles are coming back. And perimenopausal women, menopausal women that are like ready to kill somebody, all of a sudden everything gets equalized because they're coming back into a hormonal rhythm using food and fasting as a tool to bring them back into a hormonal rhythm. Mm. God, that's so powerful. I actually wrote down a list of things because what you're saying, I think, impacts the 20 year old and to your point the 80 year old yeah and um and i just wrote down a couple of like almost like weight loss myths that i think that oh, we've yeah. been led like through. really astray yeah where it's like well you just keep running on a treadmill and you lose weight yeah well okay so on that one so if we go back to estrogen's okay if you do that go ahead run on a treadmill mm. and she'll be happy progesterone's like no you're running on a treadmill, cortisol is going up for a half hour. I'm not going to make an appearance. So guess what? I'm going to make you crave more carbs because I need you to give me more glucose so I can make my appearance because you just went and raised cortisol on a treadmill for 45 minutes. And now I'm mad. And so I'm going to make you give me more carbs because mm. you didn't honor progesterone. So definitely do not do that during your progesterone okay. phrase. Yeah. I love that. Um, skinny means that you're healthy. Oh, okay. I have a theory on this and it came from a, an idea uh, or a picture I saw at the Olympic Museum in Lake Geneva. It was the gold medalists in every single uh, sport that's in the Olympics. And they were all dressed in the same outfit. And to see the different body types of the women from all these different sports, like the shot putter was really big and the marathoner was really thin. And to see that women have different body types, but these are the, these are Olympic gold medalist athletes that are healthy and performing at their best. So is it possible we weren't all meant to be a size two? I think it's safe to say yes. I think it's, so why are we trying, why if I'm a size 12, am I trying to be a size two? The better question to ask is, do you love living in your body? Do you love the size you are and are your blood markers, your metabolic markers like hemoglobin A1C, proving that you are metabolically healthy? If those two things are lining up, you love your body, and your hemoglobin A1C is under five, and your fasting glucose is between 70 and 90, and your hormones are all balanced in, in a good place. I don't care what the scale says. I don't care what size pant you're, you're wearing. 
I want you to be healthy. Skinny isn't always healthy. And I think that women have different body sizes we're supposed to be. And there's a healthy within each one of those body sizes. Oh, I freaking love that girl. That's so good. <laughs> um, uh, less calories means you lose weight. Oh, so Jason Fung, he wrote a great book called The Ob Obesity Code. He helped us see this was a, that weight loss was a hormonal issue. Here's what happens when you go on a calorie restriction diet. Let's say you eat 1,500 calories a day and you exercise, your output is 500 calories. That's a delta of 1,000 calories. If your delta was 3,000 calories and all of a sudden you brought it down, you ate less, you exercised more, and you brought your set point down to 1,000 calories, the first time you go from a set point of 3,000 calories to 1,000 calories, you're like, my diet and workout is working for me. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm a rock star. And then all of a sudden you start to eat more calories and you work out a little less. And all of a sudden your set point goes back up to 2,000 or 3,000 calories and you're gaining weight and you're like, but wait, it, it didn't work. It didn't stick. So calorie counting always changes our set point and you're going to have to stay at that expend. You're going to have to keep putting out the number of calories and keep the, the input at the same amount to stay the same weight. Mm -hmm. But that's not living life because sometimes you can't oh, work out. And sometimes you're at an amazing restaurant and you want to eat more calories. So it is a it is a roller coaster ride that will never lead you where you want to go. Temporarily, it might work because it changed your set point temporarily. But once that set point's changed, you're now screwed because you're going to have to stay with that same rigid mentality or you're going to gain weight. Yeah, this is so profound and important. Because when I was trying to stay as skinny as possible, I was stepping on the scale every single day. I was yep. to the point where I'd like take my knickers off just in case the knickers weighed anything, you know. And um, so I was weighing myself, counting the calories, running on the treadmill like a freaking fiend. Um, and to your point, I was reducing my calories and it, it was great at first. And then all of a sudden I was like, I would eat something tiny little bit extra and I was putting on weight. And but, it was because I'd reduced my calories so much. Like I was trying to get under a thousand calories. That's yep. how bad it got. Then my gut issues happened. I obviously saw the light and I was like, I will never do that again. I'm going to trash the, the, the scale. I'm never going to run on the treadmill again. And I'm just going to eat what my body tells me to eat. I look better now than I did when I was calorie counting. And I don't even know how many calories I eat now. I don't count. That's right. Right. I, oh, am I still hungry? Cool. What else right. can I eat? Oh, and, you know, peckish, I'm going to have something. Yeah. And it was that transition that I was like, what is the messaging out there that I believed that calories in, you know, and calories out, like I had to just like monitor everything. Yeah. And so again, just the work that you're doing is so profound. And I love that you're just shedding light on so many of these things because I really wish I had you, Mindy, in my mm, life when so I was you know, uh, 16 and mm. I started to have a very unhealthy relationship with yeah. food. So no matter where someone is, where they're listening to this interview, don't beat yourself up. Like I don't yeah, beat myself right. up what happened, but now I know better. Yeah. Be curious. I love the word curious. I've become mm. obsessed with this word mm. because it, it, that, thank you for continuing to talk about how we beat ourselves up because this is what we've got to get across. Your example with the calorie is the perfect example of what every woman is doing. We all of a sudden got a result with our calorie counting. We all of a sudden were human and decided we wanted to eat a little bit more mm -hmm. after that, saw that we gained weight. And so we start beating ourselves up and then we double down and we have to try harder. And so we try harder. We work out more. We exercise more. We diet more. And we like try everything more, 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 raising cortisol, causing progesterone to go low. And now progesterone, now you've lost your period. Now we can't get pregnant. Like we have all these consequences of that. And then we're like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I, why does my period not here? Why can't I get pregnant? What's going on? And we keep internalizing it, internalizing, raising cortisol up. Just because somebody somewhere decided that the calorie in calorie out diet was what we were supposed to follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the consequence is huge. As we get older as women, 
we have the you, you've mentioned menopause and mm. uh, um, perimenopause and things like that. What is happening to our body that men don't experience? Because I've heard you say a stat that seventy um, percent of divorces over the age of forty are actually initiated yeah. by women. Yeah. So after forty, a very specific estrogen is going down, and it's called estradiol. And I call estradiol a diva. I'm like, she is like a diva that should have like a, like a 10-year retirement party. Like, here she was. <laughs> she made serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin and BDNF. And acid. she made you think straight. She made you beautiful. She gave you so much wisdom. And now she's going away. She's going to have a 10-year exit. Let's give her a round of applause. Yay, Estradiol. Thank you very much. Like, that's what I feel like she needs, that she, she deserves to get. She's that powerful. But what does that mean for the woman who's 50 or 52 that's like, yeah, she just left me. Yeah, this bitch. <laughs> she bitch just left me. <laughs> she went away and left me and I can't think and I can't hold on to information and I can't do the same workload that I used to be able to do. And my husband, oh my God, I used to love him and now I think I'm going to leave him. Like so many things change when the diva goes away. And because we don't understand what a diva she was, we don't understand all the things she did for us, and we don't understand our brains when she goes away, we start trying to figure life out from a new hormonal lens. And sometimes we decide we need to leave our marriages. And sometimes we leave life. The most common time for a woman to commit suicide is from 45 to 55. And I strongly feel that that is because women do not understand what e that estradiol is on the exit, as is progesterone. We can chat about her exit too. But these two major hormones are exiting. And so therefore, your brain is operating differently. So what was it doing before we turn, before she starts to exit? Um, and then why is exiting leaving us feeling like we want to end our life or our marriage? Yeah. So let's just use estradiol, for example. When she came in, she gave you serotonin and dopamine, so you were happy and motivated. Um, she also gave you oxytocin, so you felt more connected to people. She also gave you acetylcholine so that you could hold on to information and you could learn new, new information. She also gave you BDNF so that you had your neuroplasticity of your brain. You could constantly go into new environments and made you very flexible. And then progesterone gave you GABA to calm you. So you, I call it your neurochemical armor. You had this beautiful neurochemical armor that was there supporting you through the tri trials and tribulations of life. And now that armor has gone away. And so now that the armor is gone, a lot of unresolved trauma might show up. Like all of a sudden you might need to work with some unresolved trauma. You might notice that the things that didn't stress you out before now really stress you out. You might not be able to work a 10 hour, 12 hour work week. And whereas, you know, at 35, you could put in 15 hours and at 45, you can only put in eight and you're really struggling. It might mean you're sitting in a boardroom with a bunch of men at the board, you know, at the CEO table, the C-suite table, and all of a sudden you're talking and you forget what you were going to say. And you're like, and so life, the brain gets harder. And because of that, that causes some women to kill themselves because they, because we're not having this discussion. Right. This is why I'm like, wait, let's can we just if we stop the cultural hush and we let women understand what was going on in their brains and had this discussion now collectively, we can come together with an answer and we can understand ourselves. So when that woman is like my I, I think I have to leave my husband, I don't feel appreciated at my job. I'm not sleeping anymore. I don't, I'm not happy anymore. We think it's all life circumstance. And it would be easy to, to take yourself out or easier, I should say. But what if we took that same woman and we said, listen, everything shifted. And so let's work on your lifestyle. Let's talk about how we can bring back some of these age-appropriate hormones. Let's talk about what you can do, like fasting. Fasting creates ketones. So now, and ketones will upregulate BDNF. So now you can think straight. Fasting is going to increase serotonin. So now you're going to be a little bit happier. 
exercise, when you lift weights, oh my God, all of a sudden now you're breaking down muscle that goes up into your brain and creates more neuroplasticity so you can hold on to information more. What about breath work? Breath work, you could stimulate GABA to be able to, to, to calm yourself using breath work. Here's your toolbox now. We just needed to give you a bigger toolbox after 40. And because we're not having the conversation, we don't understand ourselves. And the toolbox looks like medication, divorce, irritability, I guess, could be in the toolbox. And, and unfortunately, perhaps exiting. And being shunned, I think, from the outside, yeah. the, the, the outside world where yeah. older women get more dismissed. Yeah. Oh, and then there's that. And I'm, I'm, I'm wrinkling, so I'm not as tr attractive. What about the moms that raise children? They gave their whole life to the family, and now they're 48 and menopausal, and they're going back into the workforce. Of course, it, neurochemically, you're different. So it's, this is why conversations like this, to me, are life-saving. And when people take this conversation and they take it to the ladies' nights and they take it to the court, to the boardroom and they share podcasts like this out, now we start literally saving lives just by a conversation. Mm -hmm. I was in uh, Europe a couple weeks ago and I spoke at Amazon UK and they have a support group for menopausal women there. And the woman who leads the support group, when I, when I got there, I was like, you're my hero. Like, I can't believe you're at a major corporation creating a support group for menopausal women. Thank you. And she said, well, do you know that we're finding that more women are leaving the workplace in their late 40s than any other time of life? So when you have, you know, thousands of employees that are women in their late 40s, if we don't come up with some solution to help these menopausal women, they're going to leave the workforce. And she's like, do you know how much money that costs a corporation? <laughs> so I was able to get a support group started here with showing them the profit that they were losing by losing employees. That's how intertwined this conversation is. Right? That's are you seeing I, it? I'm literally speechless. I'm like processing everything you just said to me. Wow. And so one of the books that's out right now called The Menopause Reset, I talk about five lifestyle changes that women should make after 40. And, the, and real quickly, they're learn how to fast to your, psych, or to your hormones and, and vary your fasts, vary your foods, support your microbiome, work on detoxing, and work on the rushing woman learning how explain, to come. Yeah, explain what the rushing yeah. woman is. So the rushing woman came was not, I, I, I always give Dr. Libby Weaver credit for it. She came, she wrote a book called rushing woman syndrome, but it's that go, 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 go mentality that is causing us to hormonally crash during the perimenopause and menopausal mm -hmm. years. So it's almost like everything we've talked about, your work ethic should shift. Like we have to understand that our pace of life needs to shift after 40. Mm -hmm. That's the rushing woman to me. So, so we do those five things. Okay, now we have a good foundational lifestyle tool for women over 40 to navigate the loss of these hormones because it takes 10 years for them to go away. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like an overnight switch. Okay, so we have those five things in place. Okay, now... What do we do with the woman who says, I have everything. My, I drive in a fancy car. I live in a fancy house. I love my kids. I have a supportive husband. I'm just, I don't, ha I don't have a lot of joy. I'm not happy. Okay, that's serotonin. Estradiol stimulated the 5-HT2A serotonin receptor site. And now estradiol is going away. You're not getting that stimulation of that receptor site. So what are we going to do? Okay, well, we know a ketone can stimulate it. We have some, not to get too controversial, but we have some very interesting research coming out that microdosing psilocybin actually goes into that 5-HT2A receptor site. So we have a, a natural substance that might be able to go into there. We have information that when we start to prioritize sleep, that we actually can make more serotonin when we're prioritizing sleep. We have some breath work. So we can pull in other tools knowing that joy is going away because estradiol went away. So we just pull other tools in. Mm. What about neuroplasticity? We can't hold on to information. We can't learn information. A lot of women pick up books. They're like, I just can't read and hold on to that information. Okay, well, are you putting yourself in new environments? 
Like as we age, we drive the same direction to the store. We go to the same store. We hang out with the same people. We go to our favorite restaurant. We wear our favorite clothes. We do the same thing over and over again. That is the worst thing you can do after 40. After 40, the best thing you can do is put yourself in as many new environments as possible to force your brain to start to create new neuronal pathways. When I was in travel, when I was in Europe, I mean, I, it, it takes a moment to even figure out how to turn on the light and which plug you need. And <laughs> like all I kept thinking one day when I couldn't figure out how to turn the lights on in my hotel room was like, oh, the neuroplasticity that's happening to my 50 or four year old brain right now is huge. What I love before you go any further, what I love is most of us would beat ourselves up since oh, I'm just getting old. Yeah, Look that's at, right. Like how terrible am I? That's I'm right. losing it. But I love that you immediately went to the positive. Yes. That's so good. Yeah, because so you, so make, make, Put yourself in difficult situations so you force new neuronal pathways. Mm. So again, th there's a different toolbox. And because what we're doing right now is we're like, oh, she's, yeah, oh, God, you know, think of, think of the water cooler conversation. It's like, God, she's a bitch. My God. Did you see Susie? Yeah, I think she's hormonal. Oh my God, what a bitch. Like, that's not a, let's not, let's, let's whisper about it. Let's not talk about it. Men, even when I bring this up to men, men go, well, you said it. Thank God you can say it. Let's just bring it out in the open. Yes, my brain is changing. I'm 54 years old and I lost the diva that helped my brain work right. She's gone. <laughs> I need some new tools, please. And don't just try to slap a, a a hormone replacement patch on me, that's an okay, but I still am not supposed to, at 55, I'm not supposed to have the same hormones I had at 25. Mm. I'm The diva's still going away. It's so empowering. This is so empowering. Right. Because when I even think about identity, the identity we have about ourselves, right, that we remember when we were 20, we remember in our 30, and it's like, oh God, my identity is the person that crushes it. And now here, I can't even hold thought in my head. Yeah. So that, like, you want to talk about confidence, freaking plummet. Yeah. And then the identity other people have of us. So if you're in a relationship and let's say take even different stages, if you've been in a marriage, so I've been married for 21 years, going into so now I'm 44. So my husband's going to see that change. Right. And so I am going to be potentially a different type of wife. That yeah. I, I'm not going to show up the same way that I did when I was 24 years old. So knowing that, talking to my spouse about it, letting them know what's going to happen so that they understand my change as much as I do. And now whatever I thought of myself as showing up as, as a wife before is going to change and now he can embrace it too or she um and then thinking about the um yeah just the identity that other people have of you it's like oh she used to be so sharp right yeah. and now you're like oh god especially if you're working like yeah. when you said that about amazon it's like oh it totally hit me of course because maybe women can't show up the same way that's right and now they feel badly so then they just bail out Got instead it. of go what support system can i do as i evolve Got doesn't it. mean that i'm worse i'm just different got it that's it that, you know, like, you just summed it all up. That is exactly it. And until we bring it out into the life, into the light, we cannot heal women. We can't help women until women see that. And what we will continue to do is turn on ourselves. We will continue to beat ourselves up and we will continue to leave marriages. And I'm not trying to keep everybody married and I'm not trying to keep everybody employed. We'll continue to leave corporate, but I'm asking people to understand us please, can we just have this conversation so that we can start to heal? Because we can't heal until, the, until society has this conversation. And then we can say, God, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, give me a moment. You know, I've, my estradiol has gone. I, I, I know you just asked me a question. Ask me the question again, because I just forgot it. Amen, sister. Right? I literally, uh, I could talk to you for so long. Like I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, guys, I really hope that this episode, like just share this. Where can people find you? Where can people find the book? And just all the incredible content you're yeah. doing. You can go to, you know, Amazon. You can buy it in anywhere that books are sold. I, I will give a shout out for the indies. I am such a fan of the small bookstores. So if you have the opportunity to go to your local bookstore, there's a lot of, you can find Fast Like a Girl there. Um, YouTube's my passion project. So all this stuff you want to know about belly fat, go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. we, got all, we got a lot on YouTube where I teach all of this in chunk down ways. And if you forget all that, just go to drmindypels.com.